Welcome to Critical Cactus, where we talk about prickly subjects. Dark Ages all over again. I know, I'm super excited. But yeah, basically I'm trying to work from the top down. Enhance your calm. Welcome back. I'm your host, Adam Yax. And of course, your favorite co-hosts are here with me today, Adam Dominguez and Hello. Tom Bagush. Hi there. Hey, thanks for coming by, guys. Uh, we do have a guest today, which I'm super excited about. She's a real scientist doing work in the blood cancer technologies that is uh, both in research and clinical. So we'll have a lot to talk about. I'm always excited to talk to somebody that knows about the subject and works with it diagnostically. Um, since we will be diving into homeopathy today, I think having someone on who kind of regularly evaluates human blood with us is, is very appropriate because uh, homeopathy is, I don't know, in my opinion, it's kind of diluted. <laughs> and <Not> uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to talk about how somebody who looks at blood all day can tell us what what it looks like, you know, uh, when somebody has something diluted. But anyway, um, so we'll be talking with her later on. So so it is homeo homeopathy? I've heard it as homeo homeopathy. Homeopathy? I've, ho I've heard homeopathic remedy okay. or homeopathy as the industry. That's what uh, I've heard. Yeah. See, the problem is when you only read things in text, you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard homie, don't play that. Uh, <laughs> but um, what I should do here is just quickly introduce smell so she can um, be part of the conversation so um, our guest today is Melanie O'Donoghue hello hello thanks for having me oh, thanks for coming um, I know that you've been um, traveling the US talking about um, the world the, yeah the world <laughs> talking about um, what you've got going on there and we want to give you a chance to talk about that stuff here in a little bit but I think Tom has some news. Well, today is Saturday, August 12th, the day we are recording this. And in approximately nine days, on August 21st, will be the first total solar eclipse to touch the continental United States in 99 years. 99 years. Wow. Isn't that awesome? It is going to proceed on a uh, diagonal path from Oregon all the way down to Florida. Mm. Um, from where we are in Arizona, it's about a 13-hour drive if you want to be in the totality, which should last about two and a half, two minutes and 15 seconds, depending. Um, and you better make plans now because hotels along the totality <laughs> are already booked up and crazy expensive. Oh, really? I, kn I know people that are planning on, on making the drive and just camping on the side of the highway mm -hmm. because they can't find anywhere to stay. And wow. if you don't have your glasses already, you need to get them. I've heard that some people have ordered glasses from China that aren't done right. And yes. And they're going to be a lot of people with some trouble. Yes. Here. Make sure you do your research and get some authentic, real, uh, actually going to protect your eyeballs glasses. Because if you don't, uh, you'll be blind. Can't wow. you just like poke a hole in some cardboard and put it over a piece of paper? Yeah, but then you're just looking at a shadow and you've got that pinhole but camera I, there's, obscura. There's, there's frequencies, ultraviolet frequencies or whatever. They, these are going to hurt people. Well, I, I've also heard people improvising with welder's glasses and such. Oh, um, yeah, that would work. Which can work, but no? it's also not really recommended because really? the sun is different than welding yeah. light. So frequencies that aren't going to show up in the welding. En energy frequencies? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, not those your kind chakra. Of yeah, your chakra. Okay, yeah, okay. So same frequency, same energy. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I consider myself into science. I'm not super all that jazzed about the eclipse. No, nope. ninety nine years to mm. know, like, yeah, the the Earth really is round, and I mean to experience all of the things that. I don't see how uh, a solar eclipse proves that the what? Earth is round. Oh no, oh that was, oh my, <laughs> you're killing me. Thank you, Mr. Contrarian. <sighs> a lunar eclipse is when the sun, or when the moon passes between the sun, right? So a solar eclipse is when the sun passes between the moon and the earth? No, no, the sun will never <laughs> pass between the moon and the earth. No? That happens. You've got to have a SPF like 900 <laughs> on that day. A but lunar eclipse is when the earth passes between the sun and the moon, and the earth casts a shadow on the moon. A solar eclipse is when the moon passes between the sun 
and the earth, thereby casting a shadow on the earth. No. Does that clear that up for you? Yeah. Okay. Not as interesting as the other way around. No, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. But if you don't get a chance to make this solar eclipse in the next 30 years, there are two more coming up. Oh, okay. So start planning now. One is like 2030 and one is like Here, 2045 or something. In the same continent. Yes, in the continental United States. Or, or just catch it on YouTube. Oh, my God. Yeah. You could. Apparently, for a lot of people, it's a very uh, surreal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of people are going to go to Sedona, maybe experience the vortex at the same time. Spiritual experience. You know, I know it's hard it's for... It's a real thing. It's not like I know it's hard for a lot of atheists <laughs> and <laughs> skeptics and stuff, uh, science-thinking people to experience spirituality. Like it, it is. Phenomenon. It can come in a lot of ways. But natural phenomena, especially something this rare and this amazing, is uh, pretty intense and worth it if you can make the trip. i tell you what I want to see. I want to see when the sun explodes. That's what I'm about. Get back to me in four and a half billion years. <laughs> <laughs> so what yeah. is it going to look like here? Uh, in Arizona, we're only going to see a very small sliver of it. We, we will be in the penumbra. The We won't be in the totality, but we will be in the part of the eclipse so we'll part. see something it'll just look like a cloud passes in front of the sun but i mean if you if you really want to experience the amazingness of a solar eclipse you got to travel to like idaho or wyoming mm-hmm. um places uh, that's the first time that's ever been said <laughs> <laughs> montana uh i don't know if it's in montana you can uh go to i think it's solar eclipse 2017.org or eclipse 2017.org um it's a big deal in the flat earth community. Uh, you know, I don't actually think the earth is flat, right? I know. Okay. I do know that. <laughs> I do. But if if you have this conspiracy theory that NASA's really only purpose is to control the human thought that the earth really is round, and when you get to the poles, you're really at the edge, and, and you believe all those things that the flat earth people believe, a solar eclipse is something that they can actually experience to to completely mathematically wipe out the concept but of a flat earth. If the earth is flat, wouldn't the round disk of the earth, you know, the disk-shaped coin yeah. disk yeah, cast yeah. a circular shadow anyway? The problem is is to compensate for gravity, this disk is traveling at a certain speed. Oh, right. We're accelerating. We're accelerating up. consistently. We're, we're not just traveling at a set speed either because once you do a set speed, of you, course, gravity you, goes right. away. You, you lose the inertia. You have to continue to be going faster. Continually con- ever, Forever. Which makes a solar eclipse an impossibility in their math equation of the physics that they believe the world works in. So if you can experience a solar eclipse, you can experience the thing. It's almost like being on the moon when somebody says, oh, the moon landing was a, was a hoax. You can be on the moon in this particular hoax and go, wait. I'm watching it knowing that it's not a hoax. The Earth really is round. Do you know that beliefs aren't a fact-based system? I've heard oh, that. Okay. <laughs> I've heard that. It would be interesting. So just, just skip <laughs> what I said. They're just going to yeah. believe whatever they want to believe There anyway. you go. So that, they will. Me. I know. That's not going to be crazy. <laughs> Wait a second. So if I have to be continually accelerating on our flat Earth, it would be very interesting to do the math. Oh, yeah. See, no, we're hey, already going way past the speed of light. Yeah. So there, yeah. that was my question. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. we exceeded a long time ago. Oh, okay. Also, um, math yeah. is a human construct created by the government to control people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that aluminum foil hats actually concentrate the mind control waves instead, instead of blocking of, oh, them Oh, that's out. why I took mine off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, that was great. Thank you, Tom. Really yeah, appreciate thanks, that. thanks for that helpful insight. If, if you have the means to make it, I highly recommend you go see it. I know quite a few people are trying to get out there with RVs. So. And if you're in Australia, like most of our listeners, ignore all of this. <laughs> 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 They'll still see it if it's flat. If the Earth really is flat, those oh no, it. you're right. Yeah, you're right. Everybody would see it. Ah, oh, take that, atheists. Or I mean, flat earthers. <laughs> just lump everybody <laughs> into some word. It doesn't really matter what the word is. It's like a common meme. Checkmate, atheists. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, I missed it. I wasn't on Reddit that day. Okay. <laughs> so, D man, um, you you did a little research on this one. Incredibly little. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Little. So I listened to a TED talk about uh, what was it? Oh, about w- uh, what? Why we find or what we find is beautiful. Oh, okay. And really, all he all he talked about was the same thing that I think most people already know is most of it's based off of um, symmetry and hormones. Whoa. Um, 
the 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 story or not the story the the research was is that a man wanted to he was actually looking for a criminal element and he he took all these different pictures of different criminals to see if a criminal had a quote unquote certain look and when mm-hmm. he compiled them all into one composite vid- or uh, image he realized that the image that he had made was beautiful and it made them wonder what is it that makes us think something is beautiful because clearly these are not good people why do we think that they're beautiful so they got into um you know into the whole like i said symmetry mm-hmm. um i've heard symmetry before for sure right well and, you know they say a lot of like beautiful works of art and stuff are, are based off of phi and so are like the world's most beautiful people mm. um based, s- based off of what phi phi what's the phi? golden ratio google phi no it's it's a really fast internet dude oh yeah it's okay. super fast internet <laughs> No, it's it's the golden ratio. I'll have to look that up. All right, mm. you do that. I'm sure you don't know the golden golden ratio either. Um, really? Oh, well, let's. Well, I, go ahead. I was Please. educated I mean, in the in the deep south of the United <laughs> okay, States. So the golden Bible ratio. Belts. Let me see if I can remember this. Is A is to B is A B is to C. Yeah. Okay. So what? Like third, third, third. No, so basically the the golden ratio is like a perfect spiral. Uh, mm-hmm. You start from the center and you work your way out. It symmetrically goes out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we base a lot of, of our feelings of beauty towards that. The other thing is, um, is hormones or chemistry. And they're talking about how estrogen, um, like a certain level of estrogen makes like women prettier. And that... What's that crap that's in guys? Testosterone, Testosterone. <laughs> doesn't actually make them prettier. What it makes them is stronger, but it also makes them weaker. Um, people that have more testosterone are more prone to um, like disease, an injury, yeah, an injury. Oh, so um, the reason why women find testosterone attractive doesn't have anything to do with their ability to fight off disease. It's that obviously they're so powerful that they don't need to worry about it. It's the same as like a guy becomes oh. more attractive the more money he has. So like a guy with like a Casio watch is kind of gross, but a guy with like hey. a ten thousand dollar watch is super attractive. Oh, I gotta get a better watch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was that easy. Let's get a better watch. Yeah, it's the car. Yeah. So when they compiled the pictures of all of these, you're saying these are criminals, right? I just I'm trying to figure out what in the world you're. Yeah, so it was everybody kind of in prison f- is beautiful. Is that what you're trying to say? It was kind say? of a yeah. footnote in the whole story, actually. So okay. it's kind of a bummer. That was the most intriguing part about okay. the TED talk. But I no, thought you were going to say it looked like a particular person. <laughs> I was well, like no. Hugh Jackman, and they showed you the image, and I'm like, I don't. Wh- I didn't see it as beautiful, but I don't find most dudes beautiful. So I guess that was just me. But yeah, yeah. I wonder if they did that study though with all sorts of different groups of people and concatenated the images together if you would have the same thing because if you take a whole bunch of images and concatenate them the symmetry is going to be improved overall yes. it's got to I just as a bell curve using average big words What's i don't that? know what this concatenate means it doesn't hurt dude don't worry about it <laughs> it doesn't hurt too many you. syllables i need a dictionary or a lexicon a thesaurus <laughs> don't do the thesaurus <laughs> we don't those dinosaurs are extinct <laughs> Okay. Anyway, that's what I learned. Symmetry. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody already knew that. Symmetry, symmetry and hormones. Yeah, okay. We discovered literally nothing. Mm. I thought that <laughs> there would be some neurology in there, but it's just zero. Okay. It was super All right. uninteresting. All right. We <laughs> he talked well, about a peacock as well. Uh, oh, well, the male and the female. Big yeah. difference between the two. Yeah. One thing I did learn, I didn't know that a female peacock was called a peahen. Yeah. yeah. Today I learned. Yeah. That's good. I think I learned it yesterday. But. Just need to take a quick break to mention our sponsor, eCampus. Do you have textbooks? Well, sell them. Shop, shipping is free. Uh, get paid or get an in-store credit for books that you need for the next class that you have. Uh, go to criticalcactus.net forward slash eCampus and sell your books today. Now back to the show. <laughs> what I wanted to do was uh, get an idea of what you're up to. Now, you sent me a syllabus of what you've got going on, and it's very industry specific, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, it it was good. <laughs> I know it was good because there were words I'd never heard it. There before. were definitely words in there. There were a lot of words. Some Did you go through it? The best words. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I understood like words like the and a, 
and all the other <laughs> ones were just too big. But um, it it gave me an idea of what you're doing, and I think I I think, and this is where you're gonna correct me, but I think you're doing some awesome cancer research. Am I right? Yes. Yes. All right. We love it. Cause Point for you. Yeah, because cancer's going down. Um, so the most promising research that I've been able to dig up over the last couple of days is the uh, with there's a lot of cancer research, drug research. There's, you know, there's the imaging. There's all sorts of different areas of research. But the area that re- of research that I thought I heard was most promising is in early detection. Early detection is the you know, a big part of it. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what you're doing? And is am, am I right? Did I kind of evaluate? Mm-hmm. You've got some equipment that you're working with. and Right. So yeah. what I'm doing, I worked for 20 years in an actual laboratory doing flow cytometry, which is the type of testing that I do. Hmm. Flow cytometry is a way of using um, lasers and monoclonal antibodies with fluorochrome markers to identify and detect cell surface markers. So um, you can think of it as in, as as pushing a bunch of fish past a window. Red mm. fish go this way, blue fish go that way, mm. big fish, small fish, whatever. You've sorted them out and now you can identify them and now you can work with them and, um, and, and learn from them or use them in some other manner. Mm-hmm. So that's flow cytometry. Um, what I've used flow cytometry most in my career is leukemia lymphoma immunophenotyping. So diagnosing people with blood cancers um, and then monitoring their treatment and then hopefully um, into remission and not relapse. Mm-hmm. But it's also used in research and you yeah. can do almost anything with flow cytometry in research. So it's huge in um, viral research, vaccine research, cancer research. So mm-hmm. everything, uh, Every new discovery that you hear about, yeah. as far as early detection or treatment, pharmacogenetics, whatever, is using flow cytometry. Really? And so now I'm working with this company where I'm at an international level going out and educating people and um, improving the science. And I'm working from the software perspective in, incre- in improving the data analysis because mm-hmm. we get these huge amounts of data. What I do we can do imagine. From, it's do, just yeah. going to be... Massive and massive amounts of data. Um, well, I want to give you some love for what you're doing. Um, and I use data for that because I'm such an emotional guy. <laughs> I'm in tune with my feelings, so I use data. I got to say real quick, I really appreciate the Dr. Seuss explanation of, of flow cytometry because that yeah. finally made with it With the click. fish? Yeah. I had no idea what she was talking about until she uh, did the yeah. red fish, blue fish. Yes. The right there with you, D-Man. <laughs> Oh, you do have oh, a picture. Oh, love it. Nice. I can't show the picture here, but we'll put it up. We'll put it up on the site. Um, early detection is huge. If people don't understand the the impact, and let me give you a quick little bit of number from the data side. Stage one cancer. If you find cancer at stage one, ninety two percent survival rate. But if you don't find cancer until stage two, seventy percent survival rate, and it gets worse as you go. If you don't find cancer until stage three, thirty nine percent survival rate and if you don't find that cancer until stage four there's a 17 percent survival rate and some of these cells um, don't die off with chemotherapy or the drugs and those that don't so you get this really nice length of time where you don't have cancer and it's wonderful and you get your life back but those little buggers who didn't die off they're left and they're the ones that were resistant to whatever treatment you were given those guys grow and you come back that's why they say it comes back with a vengeance because those ones aren't as treatable so in the middle between the time you're done and the time you get tested again if the tests aren't very good you might end up finding that you were in stage two or stage three by the time they find it again and you're saying Mm -hmm. with what we're doing we can find it sooner Mm-hmm. And and ha- yeah, and have more sensitive tests. L- let me say a couple of things. So first of all, what you've got there are, are probably good statistics, but they're very very generic. Yes, all oh, big. Time. I don't they're, want people they're lumped in there. Freaking out, saying I have stage three breast cancer, I have no chance. Yeah, it's a that's lump not right. Right. Yeah. So 
it, it varies greatly depending on what type of cancer and, and mm-hmm. all the subsets and all of that. All of those are lumped together. And this was yeah. a 2014 or 2012 data. Yeah. So, But it's definitely significant. The earlier you can detect it, the better. So the, so the better tests we can come up with and that kind of thing. Um, and I did a talk at um, CYTO, which is one of the big single cell um, industry talk uh, conferences recently. And one of the big topics on top of this was... Um, um, misdiagnosis. Yes. So 12 million people in the United States are misdiagnosed. Yeah. Year. Cancer. Cancer diagnoses only. And and so that's like just a ginormous amount of people. So the sensitivity and the accuracy of our tests. The sensitivity. So how sensitivity is basically finding it even though it's just a little bit there. Right. Is that what you mean by sensitivity? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that you can find them at that quick, you know, stage one when they're barely getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that the genetic, you said genomics, and I've heard that big things have changed over the last couple of years with the, ge- with the genome of it because they've, they've done a lot of work on that. And they, mm-hmm. they know that if you have a cancer of any kind really in your body, that it's going to shed some of its DNA into your blood. And then that DNA is there in your blood. And these people are trying to go, oh, well, we can find this DNA in this blood. It, is that sort of some of the sorting that you guys are able to do as well is to identify some of that? Is that... There's a lot of work being done on yeah. that. And um, a big part of what my company is doing is so now you're, you're getting this single-cell gene sequencing. Mm. And instead of looking at a few, um, maybe 100,000 cells, now we're looking at tens, 20, 100,000 genes wow. at a time. So now you're talking about these That's huge so cool. data sets. But you have a lot more information you can pull. So we can look at um, the metabolism of tumor cells mm. and the microenvironment. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Wow, that is fascinating. And so, do you need like a supercomputer to process all this data, or how does that work? Sometimes. Um, so, base one of the things, and so we've kind of gone from flow cytometry to genomics now. Um, my company has just come out with a, a, a new data analysis software called SeekGeek, which is fun. S e q g e q c. Anyway, (laughs) it's clever. But anyway, um, so in order to um, process all of this information, you have to have these these incredible coding skills, and it's in a language called R. And 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 so we have this whole um, new field of what are called bioinformaticians, and they're basically basically mathematicians, but with biological information. Cool. I love it when those And they're a very unique mix. breed of humans. I bet. Like even <laughs> far more than engineers. Like oh, they oh, no. don't oh, speak no. English. It's horrible. <laughs> 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 when I gave my talk, I said, you know what an algorithm is, don't you? And they said, what? And I said, an algorithm is what a bioinformatician says when he doesn't want to explain what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and a true. few of them laughed. <laughs> but... Uh, but anyway, so um, so and then it would still take you know months to get your data, and you still wouldn't necessarily mm. pull everything out, all of the conclusions out. So now, so now basically we've put it in, so you can do this in five or ten minutes, and anyone can do it. Wow! And this is on a case by case basis in uh, like a clinical environment, or just in the research environment? Right now, it's just research. Research side. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's the extent of my knowledge in <laughs> this subject. <laughs> That's okay. I, you went way beyond that, like with the first sentence. Well, uh, she's talking about I blood genomes. <laughs> He's talking about supercomputers. All I can imagine is Mr. DNA talking to me about dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> oh. on uh, Jurassic Park. Well, maybe I can uh, use some anecdotal personal experience to tie some of these topics together. We love anecdotal evidence. Why wouldn't we not? Yeah. You, have you more bring that the, in here. You bring the hard science. I'll bring the anecdotes. Great, Tom. Right. Are you cancer? Are you cancer? <laughs> I, I am a cancer. <laughs> On Reddit. <laughs> oh, burn. Horoscope? Horoscope? No? Anybody? Maybe? No, yeah, I, okay. I got the reference. Anyway, anecdotal Thanks. evidence. That's my thing, but go ahead. So I've got a family member who uh, has recently been re-diagnosed with cancer. Uh, the, you know, and I'm, I'm going to try to keep this generic because obviously they don't know I'm talking about him right now. Um. But the issue, uh, uh, it was an intestinal cancer. Um, and so uh, my family member was having a hard time going to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. And so he went to the doctor, an actual doctor, not a homeopath, but like a real doctor. And he <laughs> got put on, you know, he got put on a high fiber diet, a diet. He got put on a low fiber diet. He got put on <laughs> a high protein mean. diet. All kinds of different diets. And then, you know, nine, 12 months later, he still is having a hard time going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he goes and sees another doctor. 
And it's like, okay, let's take an x-ray. Lo and behold, big-ass tumor. Wow. Right in his intestines. Irony. A Literally big-ass big ass tumor. tumor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, there really um, is. So anyway, uh, recently had surgery. Uh, he's in chemo now, and he's recovering. He's doing much better. But if the doctor had just started out with an x-ray or a cat scan or a blood test or a something simple that's the thing mm-hmm. about this is yeah. the simpleness of a blood test especially when you go into third world countries and you go well let's take a look yep you know that's because blood tests are very expensive mm-hmm. yeah well if you could just draw somebody's blood and then send it to a lab and have that lab do some flow cytometry you got it. I had it. You got yeah. it. God. On that note, we actually yeah. give our software away free to um, anyone in Africa who's doing this kind of testing. Really? Oh, wow. oh that is too cool. Um, so, and then, boom, you can get some idea of what's going on in there without the x-ray from what I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you're talking about blood cancer specifically mm-hmm. that right. you're doing clinical work with. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. that's when you're finding, you're not finding breast cancer in the blood. Right. You're finding... No, no solid tumors. Right. Leukemia is right. what you're finding and things Hematologic like that. Hematologic malignancies. Mm-hmm. More big words. Yeah. No, I actually understood those. Yeah? Yeah. Very <laughs> nice. Went way over my head. Well, you know what hematologic means. Something with blood. Right. I mean, you can infer... And it's logical. It's, yeah. it's logical blood. It's yeah. the, it's <laughs> that's the only kind of blood you should have in your body. And you know what malignant means? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. That's not... That's not good. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) And when we talk about the system hematologic, we're not just talking about peripheral blood. We're talking about bone marrow and the whole lymphatic system as well. Mm. Um, So So that spreads out how much different types of cancer you guys can pick up on. Is that what you mean? Well, it basically means that they they usually originate in one place and then Mm. circulate to all of the other places. So you need to know where did it originate, what type is it, Mm -hmm. and then um, has it spread. Mm. to these other places. I've never right. thought of blood as being on the periphery. That's really weird. <laughs> like the extremity. I guess like I keep all my blood inside. I just assume <laughs> it's all <laughs> internal blood. <laughs> That's where you keep yours? I mean, for the most part. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> now, what did Steve Jobs die of? And so see right there, I'm tying Death. together. Com- well, computers, cancer, and homeopathy. What's it? Yeah, he died of pancreatic, pancreatic? cancer. Pancreatic yeah. cancer, a treatable disease. I don't think he died very. of pancreatic cancer. I think he no. died of completely ignoring what the doctors have told him to do. I mean, he still right. died of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, I thought that he had one of the the rare versions that actually was treatable. Right. Yeah. Really. But he decided to go on like an all fruit diet yep. instead of actually yep. seeking he medical had attention. Some serious, which uh, is not homeopathy. Yeah. It's an alternative medicine. It's close enough. What is? Uh, like a fruit diet to treat cancer. Right. Yeah, there there are homeopathic doctors that will have Wait, alternative. That's an, o- that's an oxymoron. Right they there. will. Ha- I know they will <laughs> have. Well, there's schools doctors. for that, and I mean certificates, and it gets nuts. And it almost it will over the next. I guarantee you, ten twenty years, turn into what we think of as legitimate in other industries, where you start to see some licensing happening, and then once it's licensed by a state, and then oh, it's given a little bit more legitimacy, and then pretty soon it's totally legit. But I mean, you can go to a, a homeopathic vet, and a lot of people do. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that people are not vaccinating their pets yeah. you know, for the same I reasons, know. because they're afraid their dog is going to get autism. <laughs> like, it's a, hu- <laughs> yes, it's a human... <laughs> Condition, I, so I, uh, my uh, not even diagnosable. I want an autistic dog. <laughs> oh, I, I would might take actually them. have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, my did you vaccine enough? Did not push yes. for vaccine, so that's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need a new vet. I that was the first time I ever had anybody say it was like optional. She's like, "Well, it's going to be an indoor cat, oh. so you don't really need to be vaccinated." Well, that, that I'm like, different. "No, pump him full of everything you've got." Yeah, uh, why yeah. not? I want this yeah. cat immune to everything, just in case. Right. Yeah, I want it swollen when it. And leaves. even indoor cats get outside. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or, if, or if my cat got outside, I'd never see him again. I need to take a moment here to mention our sponsor, ESET Antivirus. Uh, I trust ESET. Not only does it keep keep the system safe, but it's small. There's no bloatware. Um, it will not slow down your business servers, your desktops, your Linux PCs, Macs, uh, file servers, web servers. Anyway, try it out. Help us out. Uh, go to criticalcactus.net forward slash ESET and uh, secure your system now. 
So, Melanie, what's what's the next step for your work? Like, yes, what do you please. need? Let's do that. I want to like expand upon what you're doing. Yeah. You know. Do you need Tom's blood? Because I'll get it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna hurt. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, what I'm doing now, uh, as an as an individual, um, is I'm working at an international level with International Committee for uh, Standardization and Quality in um, flow cytometry. So um, the problem with researchers is that they like all want to do things their own way. Oh yeah. And and they have that way of thinking of just, oh that's interesting. Let's check that out. That's interesting. That's you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So but but the problem with that is there has to be some standardization. Everything you do has to be reproducible. And, yeah. and then obviously if it's going to go toward being a companion diagnostic or, or a treatment or a, or a drug if or something. If they're actually contributing to the system where they do something new, it needs to be wrapped in so other people can do the same way. Is that kind of what you mean? Right, I gotcha. right. So I'm working with uh, with the, the international committees, and then I'm also um, work, we're working with the FDA in oh. sort of regulating this process. Is there an FDA? Yes. Oh, I thought For that now. went away. I thought that went away. Now. You know, they're you've not actually met some people. They're real. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I work with them. They're they're not ideal. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could be it could be better, and it sure. should be better. Well, it probably has been that way for a long time, but they haven't disappeared. Out no, of their no, absolutely not. Okay. The hardest a part lot of is governmental is departments have just disappeared. Getting them to understand what it, what the science actually is, mm. so that they can then properly regulate it. Because what they want to do is just say, oh, well, you should have three sets of controls. And you're like, okay, well, I understand how you think that is is logical, but in this case, it's not because oh. you just don't understand what we're actually doing it. here. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. So that's the challenge working with the FDA, but but yeah, basically, I'm trying to work from the top down. Let's let's you know, let's regulate this, let's standardize it, let's bring everybody up to a certain level of quality work. What's this? Everyone's doing great work. It's just, yeah. It's like herding cats. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's doing their own thing. Was it ever considered pseudoscience? Do you know what flows flows cytometry? <laughs> um, that <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was always legitimate so. in the it's been around in the, for about thirty community. years, yeah. so it's oh, wow. it's relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the the usefulness has just been like exponential from when it first came out. Like I, I started doing flow in ninety seven, ninety eight, and and. It's just drama- so dramatic from where where I started and where it is now. The technology. Oh, she's like dropping abbreviations. Like, yo, I started doing flow back then. Yeah, I know. I, 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 know. You know, I like was <laughs> thinking, she could have told me that I could just refer shui. to it as... Well, if she would have told me if I could refer to it as just flow by itself from the oh. beginning, it would have saved me a lot of embarrassment. Having the word flow in flow cytometry creates so much fun for us because we get sure to say things like go more. with the flow or <laughs> flow and tell or oh. <laughs> Nugent. Like, it, it's great. never ending with the people I work with. Oh, They're the nerdiest, awesome. funniest um, people in the world. Now from what I read that you sent us, which I didn't understand most of, did I understand that you're trying to automate a lot of these procedures so that you can take the human element out of it? Well, yes and no. Um, I don't think we're ever going to take the human element out of it. But the the hypothesis that I um, entered this study with. Uh, mm. So let me back up and explain to you how flow cytometry data is analyzed. Okay. So typically, um, you're passing these cells by a laser, and the fluorescent marker on it is causing an emission which causes a digital pulse. Okay, cool. So now you've got this digital pulse. You've got something that you can actually work with and we're looking at pattern recognition so say there's 10 potential different markers on a cell Mm -hmm. for each cell you can say okay well was there an emission for this marker that marker this marker that marker okay so now you can say yes or no for each of those 10 markers now you do this for 10,000 cells and you've got some information to look at because it's mass so what happens is is you use dot plots um, bivariate two-dimensional dot plots um, and and look at these different combinations of antibodies and you're looking for patterns mm-hmm. and you use those patterns to identify like the major cell type and then all of these different subgroups so for instance it could be so it's a white cell is it a lymphocyte or a neutrophil okay it's an it's a lymphocyte is it a t-cell or a b-cell okay it's a b-cell is it a normal b-cell or an abnormal b-cell so mm-hmm. on and so forth so it's this huge complex um Sounds like a pattern dis- recognition yeah, kind of flow thing. decision tree type thing. Okay. Yes, exactly. It's like a, a, a flow chart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh. We didn't. We didn't do that. 
I'm editing that out. I can't do one more. (laughs) (laughs) And flow cytometrists are very, very attached to this. There's a lot of color and there's a lot of pattern and there's a lot of pride in learning what normal looks like versus various disease states. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So now there's this push, this trend in flow cytometry to use automated analysis, which uses these algorithms that these bioinformaticians have created. And it's like cluster... Um, cluster recognition, like, okay, the, here's the, the center sure. of concentration, and that means it's this population. Yep, that makes sense. And it's and it's all driven by algorithms. Right, d mm-hmm. Yeah. Very <laughs> hard to... <laughs> it's very hard to trust, especially in the clinical be- people, because you're diagnosing somebody with cancer. Yeah. yeah there is an eight-year-old who might or might not have acute leukemia. You don't want to give him the wrong diagnosis. The wrong diagnosis means he dies. Right. Either way, yeah. Right. Well, Potentially. Right, yeah. Whether you say he has it or he doesn't, either way, if you're wrong. It's, yeah, you it's, it's dangerous. And I have been there. I've mm-hmm. had patients misdiagnosed. Um, that sucks. Um, but anyway, so, so it's kind of hard to give up and trust an algorithm to do this for you. So the study I did for this talk was to take 26 different specimens that were bone marrows and peripheral bloods on a variety of different disease states and um, compare manual analysis to automated analysis. Oh, okay, yeah. And it, we got um, a, a linear regression of 0.9, and okay. we got F measures of 0.97. So basically, when you think of, like, um, do they match on a line, they match 99%. Wow. So this is like when Tesla's saying, should our cars drive for us? Yeah. And it's kind of saying, yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, it's probably better to go ahead and let the algorithm right. do the driving. It's yeah, and, and, and there's all these studies that I'm sure you're aware of on human bias. We always think yeah. that we can do something better than we actually Absolutely. can. And then, you, yeah, you throw Dunning-Kruger in there and it's just Dunning-Kruger. And, and I'm all about the really numbers. Crazy. Thank you. All about the statistics, right? Numbers, mm-hmm. the numbers the, don't lie. Exactly. The statistics Unless show that the yeah. algorithms are better. Yeah. So that's great. That's so we're great not going to gonna get people out of it, but we're saying we can save you some time and we can make it more accurate. You should still look at it, and we still need a person to do the interpretation of that data. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can make the process better. And these algorithms are standardized, kind of. Is that another thing you're trying to do, or instead of having just individual places use their own algorithms? Well, that, right, that's another thing. There are a number of, of, of different academic institutions trying to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So what we had to do is we had to get together this, um, uh, what do you call it, summit sort of thing called FlowCap, where, where they actually took all of these different algorithms that people are using and put them to the test. Oh, okay, cool. And then have all of these actual metrics, like these work, these don't, this works better in this situation or that or whatever. So, oh, very cool. So I'm, I'm, um, I got to work um, on my study with the person, the lab who's doing, who's the absolute far and away number one performer of automated analysis. Oh, okay. The one whose algorithm has outbeat everyone else. Is that kind of a way? yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, very so cool. It's called Cytopex, and it's in um, Vancouver. Oh, all right. Very cool. Well, shout out to them because anybody doing this stuff is uh, really helping the whole world. It's good stuff. Yeah, Melanie, I want to say thank you. You've done an amazing job of humanizing something, a topic that seems like it could be very scary, cancer and, you know, all these big words in science, and you really brought it home, I think, for a lot, yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I feel comfortable yeah. learning more about fish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that really stuck oh. with me. Well, I wonder, you. when you're looking at this blood and you say some of the fish are red and some of them are blue, are any of them just, like, homeopathic? <laughs> <laughs> you see one, like, one out of every 100 million or something. They're like, oh, there's right one. There the goes trash. one. <laughs> they go right to the trash. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. they'd be there. They'd be in the blood. We'd mm. see them. This is something that we would see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Thank you for saying that. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think one of the reasons I have the job that I do now, and it's so perfect for me, is because I'm a scientist, and and I love that whole intellectual aspect of what I'm doing, but I also love to teach, and I love to talk to people. Yeah, it's kind and of both, so yeah. this is like this perfect job where I get to go out throughout it's the world and teach the science that I love to do. I yeah. am neither of those things. Yeah, and I don't like people. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't I, like people or science. I We're love people, so I'm trying to get smart people together to talk <laughs> to other people because I'm the one that likes the people, and these two don't. I'm more of a burn a the witch type thing. of person. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. 
I'm, well, gl- I'm, I'm Catholic. I'm glad so. you guys can stand me for at least an hour. Gonna burn you at the stake. <laughs> I, that's why I'm like, oh, hours up, gotta go, because <laughs> he might just go nuts, and uh, I don't survive that scenario. Today's episode is brought to you by One-in-One Web Hosting. With managed cloud hosting options, you can run your company, your website, your blog, or a fully hosted stack of servers, including Linux and Windows. We love WordPress here at Critical Cactus. Uh, The WordPress community around one-on-one is a deep well of knowledge that can keep your site new and relevant for years to come. What we need you to do is go to uh, criticalcactus.net forward slash one-on-one. Go there, set up your site, make your new ideas come true, uh, find ways to change the world. We know you have those ideas. Don't get bogged down in all the weeds. Let them do what they do, and you do what you do. Thank you so much for your help with that. We can talk about uh, the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague. We were talking about the bubonic plague. We were. We were, yeah. So there was an outbreak about two hours north of here that some fleas have tested positive for it, but I don't think it's moved on to uh, Yeah, and if you don't vaccinate your pet, I mean, hello. Yeah. You know, dark ages all over again. It's I know. I'm super excited. We're gonna get polio back. We got uh, <laughs> measles. Measles are yeah, making we're an outbreak. Measles back. We're gonna um, get uh, the black plague black back. Rubella. We've got uh, what you call this isn't due to vaccinations, but we've got um, what you call it. Uh, what's the breathing one? Rabies. No, not tetanus. <laughs> Hold on, it'll come. Pneumonia. Down. No, it's the one that it was like really whooping cough. In Russian prisons. Whooping cough. Iron lung. God, that's Iron not a maiden? disease. Ah, come on. I can't think of it. Some A Russian Tuberculosis. disease? Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Thank TB. you. TB. Okay. Those are my initials. Yeah. Oh, TB's nice. coming back in like a big way. We've got he Super knows. TB. Oh, yeah. you're Super TB. I'm yeah. super excited about that. That's wow. resistant. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so before we go too far down this uh, tangent talking about the plague. How to cure them. Well, no. Tangents I love. You know I love well, tangents. Well, uh, you know me. How? What? So, if we're going to talk about a fruit diet not being homeopathy, then what? Uh, what constitutes homeopathy? Okay, so homeopathy has a very specific definition. I would like to point out that just because something is old and just because something is ancient does not mean that it is wisdom, and yeah. it is not does not it's mean that it is valid. Ancient the, Chinese secret, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, the fallacy yeah. of it, it, the. Uh, yeah, there's no extra credibility there just because yeah. it's 5,000 years old. I know. Old. I love mm-hmm. them. Say, they say, oh, well, we've been doing this, you know, for hundreds of millions of years. And wow, you still have that disease. Um, it's yes. really working for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how I know dinosaurs aren't real. Just because they're old doesn't mean it really happened. So homeopathy, I mean, it is when you say it, people think of all these, you know, oh, my mom says that I need to do this for this particular thing or whatever, right? But it's chicken noodle soup. But when skeptics talk about homeopathy, they're saying the treatment of disease by minute doses of natural substances that in a healthy person would produce symptoms of disease. So you can take something like... Uh, Snake venom? Okay. You take some snake venom. It's usually not snake venom. It's usually something like the bubonic plague. Okay. And you put a little tiny bit of it in some water. Okay. And then you stir it up, and then you take that water, and then you dilute it and dilute it by with more and more water, pouring it into bigger and bigger containers until there's very, very little, if anything, nothing left in there. And the thought is kind of a magical thought where – now the tiniest little bit of this that can't hurt me is in there so i'm going to consume it and the energy of it will now be part of my energy and together we can no longer be afraid of the thing that that it was originally and so we're safe sounds like a vaccine I was gonna say, it sounds like a vaccine yeah, <laughs> yeah except but now you're not. drinking it yeah well no i mean there's a huge difference because like when you when you vaccinate someone aside from all the stuff that can kill you in it like asbestos and mercury um they put weakened versions of of whatever it is that they're trying to vaccinate you against in there so depending there's two different types of vaccines i think right live and dead so that you can well so weakened or dead yeah so that you can um produce antibodies against that particular disease right right but in homeopathy there's nothing there for you to produce antibodies against because so diluted so diluted and it's like saying i'm gonna pour this coke into the pacific the Pacific Ocean. And then... The Pacific Ocean. I'm going to go... Like, I did that somewhere in California. And then I'm going to fly over to Hawaii and get my cup and 
pull a little bit of water out and be like, all right, now that's how diluted we're talking. I'd read. I'm going to drink some so of that Coke now. There's actually none left. There's nothing there. I actually read uh, an analogy about that, about adding drops to the ocean. Oh, yeah. But it's it's way worse. It's than way like, smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it would be like if you took a Coke, you took an eyedropper, you took a drop of that Coke, you dropped it in the ocean <laughs> and said, now I'm drinking Coke now out I'm of the ocean. Now I'm drinking Coke. So now my body's safe. Yeah. Yeah. There's and nothing left. There's, there's also, um, there's some ritualistic aspects to it as well. Um, like you don't just shake it up. You're supposed to like tap it against the leather bound book. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, cool. <laughs> That's important. This is interesting now. I'm so in. I'm in. You know that there's um, books. There's, I can't I know there's called. books. No, the, so homeopaths. No, they're diluted. <laughs> they're diluted books. Homeopaths have these books. They're like dictionaries that basically tell you what you're supposed to apply to any given ailment. Okay. And they're not quote unquote updated. So they're all super old mm. so if somebody comes to you with like whooping cough you you i should probably look up the name of the book so i don't just call it something vague but they do have names you look it up in the book you apply these tinctures to your to your solution either alcohol or distilled water wow and then you begin to the dilution process and the guy that that started homeopathy he believed that the more diluted something was the better it was for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go ahead and let someone take over real quick while I. Well, look there's up the this name guy the, who that, takes the. That makes sense. Yeah, because uh, the less of something that's in there, the more effective. Right, because that be. that makes sense Negative mathematically. Correlation. How we inverse. Do, yeah, dosages and stuff. But I mean, if that's the case. I think it was. Uh, oh, well, what, what's the harm? If it makes people feel better, what's the harm? Oh. Well, the harm in everything that we think of as naturopathy or homeopathy is that they're not going to get actual medical treatment. Right. Yeah. There it is. AKA Steve Jobs. If you have a migraine and there's a pill for you to take that says, and maybe it has a slight placebo effect, maybe you want it to be true, so you're just telling yourself. I don't really have this headache, you know, and it, it is, you know, headaches are, you know, sometimes it can be a, a, a little hard, any sort of pain specific inside your body. It's not something you can measure. Whereas if your elbow just doesn't, you know, bend all the way, you can measure and go, oh, well, now it bends a little bit better now that I've taken that medicine. With a headache, you can't really objectively define how bad it is, you know. Okay. So if you have this pill that you're taking and it's sort of making it better, but I mean, you have a persistent headache from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, day in and day out, day in and day out. If you're not taking this homeopathy business seriously, then maybe you'll go to a doctor and maybe they'll find the tumor uh-huh. that's causing your damn headache in the beginning. Instead of taking this pill and trying to tell yourself you're okay for even like, again, from what stage to what stage, are you going to take this homeopathy treatment? All the way through stage one until you're in stage two. When I have a, a and um, now your survival lesser, rates less. Lesser chance of surviving. So the harm is real. Yeah. It really is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's a huge industry. Um, the alternative medicine business alone is thirty-four billion dollars industry. That's uh, billion with, with a B. A B. And thirty-four you, billion U.S. dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I got to get in on some of that. Well, to put it in perspective, I and mean, it's not as if the cancer uh, industry in general isn't huge, but the cancer drug market alone is $100 billion. So you're talking about homeopathy being kind of in the same sort of ballpark as actual cancer drugs when you go from $100 billion to $34 billion. That's not too far off. In the U.S. alone, $6.4 billion of that is homeopathic pills. Now, when I say the entire homeopathic industry is... 34 billion. I'm talking about homeopathic doctors, homeopathic remedies, not just homeopathy, uh, you know, Homemade the little pills. Stuff. Yeah, the little pills, and you can buy those things online. But Well, but obviously, this industry is heavily regulated, and so oh, there, no, no, there no. could be. Oh, oh, wait, it's not. No, 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 no. There's <laughs> no. So you don't even really know what's in there. So and that's kind of there, scary. There's no quality controls? Real quick, right? I'm going to interject. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, the name of the books are called Materia Medica. Oh, so they use a book called Materia Medica and Repertoires. Um, Repertoires being books that were compiled by other researchers. Researchers. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Other than the original guy, you mean? Right. Okay. And what year are we talking about? So the inventor was 16th century, uh, 1755 to 1843. His name was Samuel Hanneman. Yeah, uh, he's the guy that revived it from oh, like okay. ancient Greek texts or something. Yeah. Mm. He's the one that gave it its name. Argumentation from antiquity. 
Yes. There's your fallacy. What is this? That's some homeopathic stuff that I may or may not have in my house. Oh, no. Oh, what is it? <laughs> yeah, so what do you do when you live with somebody, I mean, like a very intelligent person, one of the smartest people you've ever met, who likes Takes, Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's a thing. Stuff. It's a thing. Um, I have friends that are uh, completely unaware that this, you know, this is kind of made up stuff. Um, I think that you, you, you need to know yourself. If you're asking me, my opinion is I think you need to know yourself whether or not this person has one of those conditions where they're 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 actively avoiding taking full responsibility for a big problem by doing this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or if they're just, you know, appeasing something and it's just, it's fine. You know what I mean? Because there are certain circumstances where it is just like, fine. Oh, my neck is sore. Let's rub raisins on it. Yeah. Again, right. it's not right. lavender oil or okay. Well, <laughs> but right, but I think that I think there's outside of that really strict definition that that you gave, which I've never heard of of homeopathy right. in general. Okay. I mean, I think there's this there's this huge industry of alternative there medicine and people who are homeopaths and naturopaths and they're they're giving things that actually can be very harmful. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you said it's not a regulated. Right. So, so you vitamin B17, <laughs> which is cyanide? Yeah. It's we a vitamin. Just lots yeah. of vitamins out there. Yeah. But even when you talk about echinacea and melatonin and some of these other things, like you don't, there's no quality control, there's no FDA regulation, mm. there's not sufficient testing for some of these things, so so there really could be some harm. Uh, James Randi, one of my favorite uh, old school, been around a long time, skeptics, um, he does this skit where he takes on stage uh, sleeping pills and he will take a whole bottle of the sleeping pill right on stage where everybody can see. And he's, he later says, well, just so you guys know, that was sleeping pills. And I took about six days worth of sleeping pills, clearly a fatal dose. Um, but they are homeopathic sleeping pills. So it even says on the bottom, I mean, there's warnings and more warnings and more warnings on the back. There's, you know, be careful. You don't overdose. And there's all these things. And he just downs the whole bottle. And it sounds, you know, it, it makes its point, which is these are diluted. There's nothing in here. But then you talk about regulation. You go, James, please don't do that because you don't know what's in there. Right. They could put anything in there. Yeah. And it's like the supplement. It's It falls right into the supplement. With oh, okay. All the supplements are just not regulated. Like muscle builders. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And you take at your own risk sort of thing. And, yeah. You know. But uh, it's, it's a scary, scary Well, I mean. Not not to defend what he's doing, although he does make a good point. I mean, if it's if they're true homeopathic remedies, then the the point is, is that he should know that they are diluted to a point of being ineffective. Because they should be. Yeah. That is what homeopathy is. Mm-hmm. Homeopathy. Until you could look at the manufacturing and you just don't know, you know. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tom. You ruined the word homeopathy for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mispronounced it. Edit that out. <laughs> no. 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 I am 100% perfect. Okay, wait. So (laughs) let me get this straight. I'm not sure that I understand this completely. So I can take a drop of whatever, some, some, something, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, beet juice that's going to cure me. And I dilute it and I dilute it and I dilute it into this water. And the water, like some, it, it affects the water's energy. Yeah. And that energy gets into, but... But it's not usually. It's usually it's different than that. It, it it is like let's say some pus from somebody's arm who's disgusting that's about to fall off. They'll take a tiny bit of that pus and say that was the source of whatever it was that was causing this guy's problem. Which you could ask a doctor how many different things could have that sort of a color of pus if you want and determine what it originally was if you really want to. Okay. But you can take that and you can take a small amount of that and you can put that a little bit of in some water and then you go through this whole dilution, massive dilution process, which is not actually not a cheap process. They have to do a lot um, of diluting. Okay. And then you're taking that. So you're taking some green pus is what you're taking. But anyway, continue. It wasn't beets. I was just trying well, to make okay. that clear. I'm yeah. just trying to, trying to understand what, what we're putting in my yep. body and, and what we're doing. And what you're we're putting just so water. So Even this, then, this it's, water still, it's still not gross. It's supposed it's just to water. remember this pus energy yes but yet i mean why doesn't the water remember everything that's ever been in it that's like a good argument fish poop <laughs> that's interesting municipal yeah. sewage so cockroaches. for that cockroaches for that <laughs> argument i think that's why they use alcohol or distilled water for the most part they use like alcohol like ethanol okay 
for diluting. Yeah. Because right. this water is remembering. Right. But that would pretty much mean it would be never safe to drink water. If yeah. There was anything. Well, well if you ever had our hypothesis. tap water, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Flint, don't do it. But um, <laughs> for a really, really just long listening time. Just to that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. For a really long time, it was bad to have the water. I mean, it took them a long time to connect a lot of diseases to the water that people that's were That's why we have beer. Yay, beer. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's yeah. True. Well, and it helped a lot for a lot. Of, I mean, we're all here because of beer. So I don't <laughs> think that our ancestors would have lived through it if it hadn't been for that distillation process. It was so good. It was such a good point with the why doesn't the water remember everything. So um, real quick to get back to Tom's like whole beat thing. Um, modern day homeopaths, they actually, they've gotten even lazier. Whoa. It, they've started to do things like capture the sunlight in water. <laughs> um, oh, wow. so, is that like sun tea? Yeah, I've so like here's tea. an excerpt here. Some modern homeopaths use preparation they call imponderables because they do not originate from a substance but some other phenomenon presumed to have been captured by alcohol or lactose. Examples include x-rays and sunlight. <laughs> Wait oh a God. minute. <laughs> If you want to find crazy people, you're going to find crazy people. Oh. Like, how gullible that's, are people? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's not actually the worst of it. So <laughs> All of us, here. including me, including you, because we're human, and back in the day, we had to take shortcuts, and we still do. Now, there's a minority group. That, um, they believe, you know, this is, other minorities' practices include paper preparations, where the substance and dilution are written on a piece of paper yeah. and either pinned to the patient <laughs> or put in their pockets or placed under a glass of water. Mm-hmm. And then you use radionics to basically absorb the belief of the, the cure to get better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I <laughs> I don't want to believe that's true. I just don't. <laughs> w- remember the last, uh, the last podcast we were talking about sovereign citizens, and it was very difficult for us to put ourselves in the mindset of someone who truly believes this stuff. Not me. I was totally a sovereign citizen. You were in. I know. I you're, you're, you were in. I had to spend the rest of the week becoming a citizen. You were <laughs> trying to <laughs> deconvert. <laughs> you had to go to the DMV again. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have to do the same thing. I mean, this is our th- this is our thing, right? We have to put ourselves in the mind of someone who's like all in on the idea that you can write down, you do not have headaches, stick it in your pocket and have some scientific evidence that that's going to work. And I think that people confuse anecdotal evidence and stories with with real evidence. I had this thought of what if my doctor is, li- what if a lot of doctors are lying to us about our, our blood pressure? Um, if you go to the mall, there's a guy usually there that'll give you a, a magnetic bracelet you can put on your hand and you know, put your arms out and yeah, they'll push on your them. shoulders. And, and, you know, without the bracelet, you'll just fall. But with the bracelet, you'll have the stability and you'll be balanced and all that stuff. And it's, it's just physics. There's a, a simple trick. It's just a trick magicians use. Um, that's all it is to it. When you get your blood pressure tested and your arm is down... Your blood pressure is higher than if your arm is up, and if you put your arm up so that it's chest even, height, even, even higher, with, even with your height, with with your uh, heart, then your blood pressure will be a much more accurate number. And as you lift it higher and higher above your head, the lower and the lower and lower it gets until if you have blood pressure taken from your arm uh, way up high. No, they're not adjusting for that factor when they're giving you those numbers in the doctor's office. You also get and a different blood pressure if you're standing versus sitting. And you're, you're not you supposed get to cross your legs. Yeah, and if your feet are touching the ground versus up. So if my if my feet are just dangling, which they always are because those tables are way up there, and the nurse is just strapping the thing onto my arm and just moving along with her day, she doesn't care, and I get this number, the next thing you know, I've got a $1,500 cardiologist bill that's that's not legitimate. Is that a thing that I'm missing in real medicine? Well, I think they, I think that they're very aware of that. Mo- doctors, at least, I don't know about yeah. MAs, but um, and and so they'll almost never take action on a blood pressure oh, reading. Okay, so okay, they'll okay, do yeah. multiple ones. Um, another problem, like my mom is so obese, they can't put it on her arm. Mm-hmm. They have to put it on her wrist. Well, that's way less accurate. Oh, but yeah. the 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 important thing is that she takes it every day. Sitting and in the same way, using the same, so I go mammometer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. another big word for you. Um, yeah, and, and, and so then you're looking for changes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I was so this say, is like, scientific. We're talking about things that are real and ways that people respond to real data. 
what's happening when I stick a piece of paper in my pocket? Is anybody going through that that critical thought? Are they just going, yeah, okay. Placebo or, effect, uh, return to the mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These people aren't stupid. I, 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 I tell you, these people are not stupid people who are going, oh, okay. Well, it's I think it's, it's the human condition. Like, it worked once, so it works. Yeah. It's yeah. that whole cognitive dissonance. Thing yeah. Again. Like, yeah. how can you, as an intelligent person, do something that's so illogical? You can do the two things, yeah. yeah. So, in the research for this topic that I came across was yeah. uh, the return to the mean. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain that. Well, okay, you've got a cold. What happens on day one of the cold? You're getting worse. You're sick, you're sniffly, yeah. whatever. What, you happen- might go what happens on day two? You're, it depends where I'm at. Usually it's getting worse. worse. Right. Probably. Day three, yeah, day worse. four, day five. You're, you're at starting some point, to get better. Uh, maybe. You know I'm getting I mean? better. If so I'm not, I'm going to go to a doctor. So you're re- yeah. you're returning to normal. Yep. You're returning okay. to the mean. You have a headache. Maybe you're going to have that headache for three or four hours. How do you know when I'm not going to? Right. Right. So, but you have a headache that's going to go away in three hours anyway. Right. And... You know, you take that homeopathic remedy, and it goes away. And it goes away, or you take that homeopathic remedy, and yeah. your your cold starts to go away the next day, or you start mm-hmm. to feel a little better, mm-hmm. or you know. So then it's the pattern finding brain going nuts. Yes. Yeah. So then right. you put uh, I don't know, hope, trust, power, belief Sunlight. into something that you did, mm-hmm. you know, that that made you feel better, and mm-hmm. you're gonna run with that, yeah. and you're gonna remember that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just like superstitions. Yeah. yeah, somebody tells you it works, and you believe them. And it just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. You're going to follow a, them uh, right down that rabbit to hole. To the tune of $34 billion. i got to get me some of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so what I like... I would totally sell snake oil for $35 billion. I wouldn't. I don't care how many I totally... <laughs> you don't care. And I am more... I'm going to start yeah, baking I know. cookies. You would not do it. You I'm would pretty sure I would. You, I know you would I not. mean, power corrupts, right? <laughs> You're just hoping. You're like, please let me be corrupt. I want to have a happy life. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay, no, but if, if you take less and less of this thing and the less you take, the better. Right. One of the things that uh, James Randi said was there's a story of the guy who had major headaches and he stopped taking his pill and died because he overdosed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful when you start those homeopathic Wouldn't it pills. Be most effective if you take nothing. <laughs> yeah, <then? laughs> pretty pretty sure the math checks out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then there's homeopathic doctors, which is a totally different thing than just homeopathy. Yeah. Also, known my as new quacks. My it new favorite be. oxymoron. If it was real medicine, it wouldn't have been called alternative medicine. Uh, it would have just been called medicine. Yeah, that's pseudoscience. What, yeah. yeah. Well, when you look at the studies, and man, they have tried in clinical clinical trials to prove that homeopathy is a real thing. They've given these people medicine. They've done the controls. They've done placebo controls. They've double blind. They've tried to do reproduction. Never, never once does it have anything never. more than a noise. You know, it's never it's never uh, any data that's louder than the noise that comes out of that data. So, well, and any benefits you could get from a homeopathic treatment, I mean, because in theory, like in theory, if yeah. you got your paws on like the flu virus and you weakened it and you put it in in a vial and you drink it, there's a small chance you could develop an antibody. Yeah, if, but if you had a sore in your mouth and it got in your blood system somehow, yeah, maybe because it's got to get in your blood. But like not any your chance stomach. of that happening is removed when you dilute it again and then yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> game over. That's yeah, too bad. It's it sucks because like all of these topics, I want it to be so. Tr- I want it to be true. I really do. I don't know that I want this one to be true. Really? I I, I want there to be some magic energy. I mean, I'm. I'll put my hands in science or my trust in science. I'm okay with that one. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like dragons and magic. Well, and me too. I mean, that's, but that's like cool to decorate your bedroom. But <laughs> but you, you know, know what? It's so cool. If it was real. Science or uh, magic is just science we haven't discovered yet. Yeah. You know, like when I do dialysis, the machine sitting next to me is magical. I don't know what the hell it does, but yes, you do. Somebody does. You do. I sort of know. Well, probably you wouldn't be able to make it. No, I always think about Gilligan's Island and the professor. Okay, no, make anything from coconut. (laughs) There's like they bring in this giant vat of acid, and I'm like, well, that can't be good to put through my blood. And they're like, shut up, we know what we're doing. Okay, I'm like, okay, and Mm -hmm. you know they've got a giant vat of alkaline water and a bunch of other stuff that I'm pretty sure would kill me. Yeah. Do you remember Atlas Cloud? Tom Cloud Hanks. Atlas? <laughs> was it Cloud Atlas? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah, you that speak one. The true, true. Yeah. The true, true. <laughs> you <laughs> we do just remember watched it. that for the first time the other day. Oh, really? That's a really good movie. Well, there was the Doctor. Remember the Doctor? One of the versions of Tom Hanks with the messed I up teeth. I barely remember it. Oh, but yeah. And he was making that guy sicker and sicker and sicker because he wanted that key. Oh, like, he yeah, was yeah. the Doctor. It's that's kind of. Oh, yeah, you're so putting you, your trust in that person. I have no idea going. what you guys are talking about. You've never seen yeah. Planet Earth? Totally oh. lost. Is this an old movie? No, no not really that it's like old. Five years old? Yeah. yeah. It's also apparently a pretty good book. I haven't read it. I've heard it's an amazing it's book. It's probably a better book because the kid talking stuff was really distracting. I liked it. Really? Well, the thing is, is I liked it because it it made sense. Like English English is already devolving. It is. So yeah. why <laughs> it was it a make bit like perfect online. sense for it to devolve even further Absolutely. further into the future. It was really bad. It was just like a uh, cloud atlas. Yeah, what right. you yeah. call it? Like clockwork fiction or uh, clockwork orange. Clockwork I will orange. look this up. Oh yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I no doubt. But I speak the true, true. The true, true. Oh well, I want to speak the true, true. <laughs> Thanks, NASA. Well, that takes us to our next section, which is to thank NASA for something, just something. And out of the blue, I found out that memory foam was. Not just a side effect of NASA. NASA actually put together a very specific effort to say, "Hey, we need something for our pilots," and out of that came memory foam, and uh, like the memory foam mattresses and pillows, that they yeah help yeah. temper so well at night. Yeah, they released uh, they released it to the public and said, Hallelujah. "Okay, we've we've done our thing, and now everybody can have some of it for free." It's like, uh, and now they call it space age technology. No, they do. Yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll sell it as space age technology. Yeah, and it was like. So basically, anything in the last sixty years is space age technology. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. pretty much. Sure. Uh, well, thank you everyone for joining me today. It's been a great talk, and I wanted to thank the audience for being here. Um, did you guys have any questions for the audience? I know we've got like uh, I've got send a us your feedback. Thousands, yeah. we actually have thousands of listeners. It's great. Feedback would be awesome, but I've got a question, Melanie. Where can we learn more about you? Yeah. Or do you have a Twitter? Do you have a Facebook? What do you do to stay uh, in touch with people? Well, mostly LinkedIn. Okay, so you can look look me up on LinkedIn, Melanie O'Donohue. And uh, and then if you're interested in my company, that's flojo.com, which is F-L-O-W-J-O.com. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to share my email or anything. And if anyone has any questions about oncology, yeah, research, flow cytometry, genomics. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, yeah, thanks. See what happens when we get an actual professional. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're all like, oh, that's we're supposed to know that much about a topic when we talk? Okay. We'll bring more professionals on then. <laughs> well, thank you again, everyone. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Thanks. We have started a Patreon account. So uh, to help keep us going, um, open your browser and go to patreon.com forward slash critical cactus. Your donations uh, will help keep us going. Thank you for coming. See you next time.